Hey guys, this is Liz Cambage. This is Nikki Collins. What up, guys? This is Esther Hey, this is Imani Lee Stafford. Hey, this is Jordan Canada. This is Asia Wilson. Welcome to the WNBA Nation. WNBA Nation. How are you? It's great to hear from you. Uh, even though I don't technically get to hear you. Uh, I hope you responded to that just alone, separately, um, uh, like cordially. Like, you know, and we can do that right now if you want. It's like, how are you doing? How are things? Listener, how are things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's interesting. I hope things are are going well overall. But, yeah. Hope it's a good week for you. And it should be a good week because it's officially playoff time. That's exciting. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm running things solo this week. Uh, we'll continue to have coverage throughout the playoffs, especially after each round. We'll see how many of us get on mic to talk about it. But I wanted to make sure we got something out as a semi-preview. Hopefully this gets out in time for the opening games on Wednesday. We'll do our best. We don't have a confirmation on that for certain. But... Uh, we'll work on that and you know, we'll try to get things out as quickly as we relatively can. Um, but we may be a day behind or so as things kick off. Uh, but of course, games kicking off of the playoffs this uh, Wednesday, September 13th. If you're listening to this beforehand, 8 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Eastern for the first line of games. Uh, and we're excited to dive into that before. Before uh, we jump into our matchups for the playoffs, what to expect, things of that nature, I had a couple quick hit topics I wanted to make sure we made note of. First things first, obviously the playoff field is officially set, which means we've got eight teams still gunning for a title. And with that, four teams putting a rest on the season, and we'll see uh, what their decisions are for the final. But... Uh, lest he thought that fact meant you this was the last you were going to hear of the Seattle Storm for a good minute. Hold your horses. We got a couple things to call out. First and foremost, or, or really paramountly, let's talk about Jewel Lloyd for a second. First of all, uh, obvious congratulations to Jim setting the all-time single-season scoring record, 939 points on the year. Obviously, there's a tad bit of inflation with that. We have a 40 uh, game season uh, with that. However, um, Jewel Lloyd had uh, the record initially set earlier in the season, uh, 31 games into the year. She dropped her 743rd point um, at certain points in the season. Other players had taken the mantle, Bree Stewart, Asia Wilson, uh, who both ended the season over 900 points respectively. I believe Asia Wilson, 912, Bree Stewart, 919. Julie finishes the year with 939. She also will be stepping out of this season with the uh, scoring title on the year, averaging 24.7 points per game. That's the second highest average points per game in league history. She's nestled right between the 2006 and 2008 seasons for Dana Tarasi, who holds first and third. Now, Jim sits second with that number. Very exciting year. It was a tough run for the Storm, only winning 11 games, not really seeing high competitiveness in certain points, coming together in a lot of ways, some impressive wins where they could get them. Uh, But Jewel really was the star of the show, and it was a lot of fun watching her play on the court. It really made Storm games still a must-watch, the way she was playing at times. Um, and the Storm have a lot more to celebrate on top of that as uh, Jewel Lloyd does sign, officially signs in a, a multi-year extension with the team. And this was interesting because we had a lot of people, uh, ourselves included, talking a lot, speculating a lot about where does Jem end up? Where does Jewel Lloyd sign? Uh, does she make the run to Los Angeles? Does she find herself back home in Chicago? What's going to happen? Signs a multi-year extension. Uh, per the team policy, uh, the terms of that deal aren't um, officially public. They might have been speculated somewhere online, uh, but they're not officially known at this time what the years and Terms and numbers are for that, but the contract extension is official. Jewel Lloyd, for all intents and purposes, as we know right now, 
uh, will be remaining with the Seattle Storm for at least the near future. Very exciting stuff for the Storm because I think they saw a product that they could totally build around. Um, a honest comparison that comes to mind is, you know, for a while, Enrique Gumbawale was really the main offensive benefactor for the Dallas Wings for a few seasons. Dallas now sits fourth in the standings with a very solid lineup uh, and a very big front court that has the potential to be very good for a handful of seasons. And Jewel kind of had that similar type of a year where she was able to focus primarily offensively and focus on, on scoring and setting the tone for the offense where she very much was the second and in many cases, third scoring option for the storm in years past. And I think the product was enough that the storm wanted to hang on to that. Um, Jewel seems very comfortable in the position that she's in with, or at least comfortable with uh, where the direction that the storm are headed. And that's really what brings this into question is you have to believe that this type of a move and this type of agreement means the storm are going to be very aggressive in adding to this product and not staying under that playoff line for very long. And they're looking to make some improvements. Is that going to happen in free agency? Hard to tell. I don't have figures in front of me in terms of what their cap looks like and what they can add to the table. Um, does this come in the form of, uh, you know, draft consideration? Do they, you know, their standing in the lottery is going to be tough where they were successful in playoff ready in the past, where the lottery considers two previous seasons um, and uses that to determine the likelihood of a team um, nabbing that top selection. But this is going to be a very competitive draft. We're not sure exactly which names are going to be connected to it, but there's potential for some very explosive names being added into this upcoming 20 or 2024 WNBA draft. Um, and the storm could find themselves in a really good position to pick up a, a player who matches really well with Jewel Lloyd, who is going to be set up for huge success. Um, they don't completely rule out the possibility of the storm trying to trade up potential so they could find themselves near the top of that move because the possibility of pairing Jewel Lloyd with a page beggars, with an angel Reese, with a Caitlin Clark, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of potential to uh, turn this into a team that sees its next chapter much sooner than later. And that's where it's going to be exciting. This might be the team to watch for above almost anyone else when it comes to free agent time and all of our transactions in the off season, because this move signing Julie to this extension this quickly before Lloyd had the chance to, have any sort of free agency conversations tells me that they really want to build something successful and they want to build it around Jewel Lloyd. For those who are familiar with the program and have listened to us for a long time, know that it's no secret that we as a program are huge fans of Jewel Lloyd. I'm a huge fan of Jewel Lloyd. I have her jersey behind me. She's my favorite player in the league. Um, if that makes me a biased host, it makes me a biased host. I've always... Loved watching Jim play, and I'm very excited to see where this goes. And uh, so that's awesome stuff. We'll see what happens with the storm. But I felt like that had to be called out. Before we also move on into our playoff matchup, I want to take a minute to talk about the MVP race because it's going to be very interesting. We're now a regular season completely done and dusted. We have, uh, you know, we can we can look at facts. We can look at figures. And obviously, this seems like a two-player race, all things considered. Asia Wilson and Brianna Stewart, if this was a boxing bout, this thing went 12 rounds, and it was a humdinger. Not a mayor humdinger. I don't know why Adventure Bay lets continually lets him run around and sabotage the town, and the Paw Patrol keep having to deal with his antics. Mayor Goodway needs to figure that out. Um, so I'm not talking about Mayor Humdinger, but just a typical Humdinger. That's some Paw Patrol humor for young parents out there. Um, but I don't know. This is what happens when I don't have another co-host to control me. This is what you get. Uh, but Asia Wilson and Bree Stewart, definitely, it seems like that's going to be the discussion. And it's it's so intriguing because if you go off stat sheets, if you're coming through basketball reference, it tells so many stories because these two are sincerely next to each other in line all over the stat board as things go. Uh, as far as points per game, obviously we just talked about Jewel Lloyd winning the scoring title. 
with 24.7 points. Bree Stewart's number two with 23 flat. Asia Wilson right behind with 22.8. So a difference of 0.2 uh, points per game separating them. On the rebound front, rebounds per game goes to Alyssa Thomas, who, if there is a dark horse in this race, it's probably Alyssa Thomas, who has just been putting up phenomenal performances all season. Uh, but Asia Wilson is number two, 9.5 rebounds per game. Bree right behind in third, 9.3 rebounds per game. So again, point two separating them in the rebounds column. Uh, for those curious, uh, Bree's rebound load was much more heavily on the defensive side. So was Asia's. Uh, they actually were second and third in that note as well. Um, and then seemingly a little more down the line when it came to offensive rebounds. Um, but Bree does upend Asia when it comes to the defensive rebound side of things. When it comes to total rebounds, Asia's got the edge. Uh, assists per game, they both register, I believe, within the top 20. I might be wrong when I say that. I know uh, Bree's 17th. I'm looking at this. I don't see Asia as well, so maybe that's something. Asia led league in blocks per game. Uh, Stewie was fourth with 1.6. All over the place. Um, obviously, they were... Very, very pivotal roles in the two most successful teams in this season, as far as the regular season is concerned, separated by one sort of two games, depending on how you rule that. But where I really want to lean in on this and why this playoff or this MVP race has been nothing short of a buzzword historic is when you consider win shares. Win shares are a very fun, trendy stat for anyone who wants to look at. Uh, accolades, especially when it comes to MVP and it comes to those levels. Um, but this year, especially, it's something to marvel at. Um, they are separated by 0.1 in the win share column. Asia holds uh, the top spot with 10.4 uh, points per game in terms of win share or, or win season. Um, and Bree is legitimately behind 0.1 at 10.3. So they're in the top two. But one thing to keep in mind when it comes to this race. So Asia 10.4, Bree 10.3. Not only are they the top two spots in this season, those are the top two, according to basketball ribbons, the top two accumulated win share numbers for a particular season in league history. They actually kind of blowed nearly everyone out of the water with that those numbers. So Asia's 10.3. Um, they're 10.4 when you round up. As a matter of fact, it, yeah, in the initial stats for the season, it shows them 0.1. They're technically 0.06 win shares separated. Like the official number is Asia has 10.36, Stewie at 10.3 flat, 10.30. Um, these are two of only three instances of a player holding win shares of 10 or above. To find the third, you have to go all the way back to 1998. Cynthia Cooper, 10.02 in 98. Up and bring the Houston Comets to their second championship. Um, and then from there, you drop under 10. But, I mean, we've had only 11 players even register over 9, or at least 11 instances of a player registering over 9 win shares uh, in a given year. Uh, you have, I believe, Cynthia Cooper's done it three times in her career. Lauren Jackson was twice. You've got one from Tamika Catchings, one from Sylvia Fowles. Uh, Neko Gumake was, was our most recent before this season, back in 2016, uh, when the Sparks won the championship, 9.64 uh, in terms of win shares. Cheryl Swoops is fourth overall, 9.83. That was in the 2000 season. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, from there, this gives you an idea of how historic this race has been that these two have this number. Imagine if Stewie cared about win shares, I assume not. Um, but to, to have that kind of a number that goes far and above all of these greats in league history. And here's Asia Wilson 0.06 above that number all time. That's how close this race has been. If you hand the MVP to either player, there isn't a wrong answer. The debate will certainly be fun. In terms of win shares, here's what I'm going to say. I'm just going to use this stat alone to be my determinant for where I would lean this going toward because this race you can't even go eye test. They both have put out consistently phenomenal performances all season long. 
Um, you've watched, you know, single game scoring records. You've watched insane stat sheets, uh, late game heroics, just all over the place when it's come to both players. As it stands right now, like I said, Asia Wilson sits uh, at 10.4 win shares is rounded up to 10.4. And um, for many people who lean heavily on the win share number, people might edge that forward and say, okay, the, the edge goes to Asia Wilson and, and that stands for that. Um, here is why I look at that slightly differently. Asia Wilson is his first win shares. Bree Stewart is second. The next three spots, so the, who, the finishing out the top five at win shares goes to Jackie Young, 7.5, Chelsea Gray, 7.0, Kelsey Plum, 6.3. Four of the five lead spots for win shares this season belong to the Vegas Aces. Uh, Stewie stands alone in that top five, and you have to drop, I believe, all the way to 10th. Uh, to see Sabrina Ionescu with the Liberty. Um, they're all over the place still in the top 20, though. John Quill Jones is 14th. Vander Sloot is 15th. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, when you go through those numbers, that's where I give the edge here to Brianna Stewart. I think it just gives that note of Asia Wilson's, you know, win shares. Obviously, her wins above replacement are huge. Her value to her team is gigantic. She's Asia Wilson. She's legendary. If she wins the trophy this year, if she takes that hardware home, she deserves it. Um, but in terms of a player standing that much above, kind of that number alone might be enough to eat me. If you were to ask Steve to give this vote, which I don't have a vote, uh, and why would I? Uh, I would lean towards Stewie for that alone. But um, I have no idea. It's been that interesting of a season. For those interested in more win share considerations, Alyssa Thomas is, of course, sixth. I mean, she's absolutely been uh, fantastic all season long, and um, she continues to pop up right in the scope of this Stewie v. Asia battle all year long. Big up to Aaliyah Boston, seventh in win shares with six, um, and sits in seventh spot. Satu Sabali um, is the other uh, the other top 10 or we hadn't named up to that point uh, in Dallas. So that gives you an idea of who's really been impactful. Obviously um, all but one of these names are people considered in playoff races that we're just about to talk about, but I thought it was interesting to really call out just how historic these two performances this season have been from these two players, let alone their teams who have worn, you know, gone through a lot of wear and tear and have come out on top, have been completely, nearly perfectly ad as advertised, not perfectly in terms of they've played perfectly, but as advertised, um, you know, we expected big performances in the regular season out of these teams. And now they have, and the next step is to convert that into playoff success and ultimately a championship. And to get to the championship, you got to get through the first round, obviously. And that is where we're going to move things forward. I'm going to stop for a drink of water. Really quick, I do want to say, if you want to connect with the show, head on over to WNBANation.com. That's where you can connect with everything we have going on with the program. You can connect to all of our socials, um, any of our video initiatives, should they come up. Hopefully, later in the year, we'll be digging up some more playback watch parties. Um, we have discussed the potential of bumping up our Twitch again. We'll have to see how that goes. Uh, you can also connect to our merch page and get some cool digs from the show and uh, anything of that nature. If you do listen to the show, you already know where you can get the show if you're listening to this now. However, if you want to subscribe, whatever have you, of course, you can hear us anywhere. Uh, your podcast can be found, especially on Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, all the other ones. If you do listen on Apple Pod specifically or anywhere else that has a review system. We'd love a five-star review. We would definitely love a comment. Feel free to let us know what you like about the show and what more we can add to the show to make the experience that much better for you. We always love your feedback. If you give us a five-star review and a comment, we will share it on the program and give you a shout-out. So definitely keep us connected there. But, of course, as always, like I started, head on over to WNBANation.com and uh, connect with us any way you'd like to. Now's the time. The playoff 
field is officially set for this 2023 playoffs. It's been a very fun season. We have a lot of extremely fun matchups to dive into. I'm going to do this in order of the broadcast to win these first games, at least they're going to be broadcast uh, just so I can shout those out um, as we've talked about previously. Uh, so we'll kick things off with so this is probably the only, I'm the only person who kicks off with the three, six matchup, uh, but that's just how this thing flies open. Uh, but 8 PM Eastern to kick off the 2023 playoffs, the Minnesota Lynx heading uh, to Uncasville to uh, start off a three-game series, a best-of-three series against the Connecticut Sun, who sit pretty firmly in the third spot. They've been third most of the year pretty soundly. Uh, they finished with a 27-13 and 13 record. We've already talked quite a bit about uh, Lissa Thomas and her performances but to add some more field to the fire, there were 13 triple doubles registered on the season. If I'm correct, six of those, nearly half of those belong to Alyssa Thomas. She continued to have a uh, huge performance after huge performance. We love quoting what she said last week that she is seemingly doing things. No player has ever done and making it look easy, which I, I love the confidence there. Um, but the sun have, have looked very sound, very competitive throughout the entire year. And, uh, you know, this has been a big part of that. Of course, Dewana Bonner um, has been the leading points getter in, in terms of offensive value and has um, been a huge get. Uh, you know, you also have Tay Page, Deisha Heideman, um, Deisha Carrington's put in really solid minutes. Beck Allen, you could go up and down this roster. They've made really good use of a lot of the players. Missing Brianna Jones, which is a huge loss. Um, obviously, was um, one of the more defensively sound players in the entire league. Um, and would really, it's really interesting to see, to think what the sun standing would be right now had Bree Jones been around. It, it really gives interesting context there, but the sun have looked very solid all season. They'll be matching up against the Dallas wings, or Dallas wings. I'm sorry. You may want to correct that. <laughs> the Minnesota Lynx. I already said it and then I got it wrong. Because I already did the disclaimer that I'm tired and I'm alone and I have no one here to help me. So you're getting Steve. But the Minnesota Lynx finished the year 19 and 21. They're the second team in WMA history to start the season 0 and 6 or worse and finish the year qualifying for the playoffs. Uh, they had a very, very hellacious run to finish off the year to make up for some of that. Uh, deficit they put themselves in and it ends up paying off. They do this behind a very successful year from the FISA Collier, 21.5 points per game. That's on the back of eight rebounds, um, nearly three assists, shooting 48%, looking really sound. Kayla McBride was an absolutely huge asset to this roster all year. Diamond Miller showing her value right out the shoot um, with 12 points per game as well. This is a, Really, really, really fun roster. And, um, you know, Cheryl Reeve and company know how to turn a team into a competitive bunch. And that's what this looks like here as far as things are considered. Uh, this should end up being a really fun matchup. Um, obviously, you would give the edge to Connecticut in a lot of different ways. But... As far as really the narrative here goes, I think with Minnesota, it comes down to discipline, especially when it comes to on the defensive side of the court. Um, as far as defensive rating, the Lynx ranked 10th out of, of all 12 teams. They haven't looked as sound defensively as maybe in years past. Um, and what's really going to make them successful and help them potentially pull an upset on Connecticut uh, is they have to disrupt that front court, especially and frustrate uh, the offensive game for Connecticut and to, to do it early. Um, this is a team that regularly has players scoring 50% or more from field. They have to find a way to get them to, um, you know, run out of their rhythm and find ways to run the court. And then from there, it really comes down to, uh, you know, successful shooting as far as things are considered, you know, when you have Caleb McBride McBuckets on the floor, um, 
that seems easier said than done, but I think there's going to be a challenge there. Um, with Connecticut, all things considered, uh, it comes down to how does their backcourt perform well? I think if there's one thing that Minnesota maybe doesn't have a full edge, but has something to bring heavy to the table, um, it's an explosive backcourt that can score points really quickly, um, that can uh, really set the tone, play a very quick pace if they need to. Um, and it's going to be, you know, between Heidemann and, and to and company, you know, who's really going to make, uh, that end of things work. So as far as predictions, that's really kind of the end of it. Um, I believe the sun have the edge on the regular season series. Uh, they have a three to one edge as far as things are considered. Um, predictions wise, this one seems simple enough for me. I mean, when I look at what Alyssa Thomas has been doing um, and, and also in doing so spacing the floor for players like Bonner and Tepes and allowing that roster to do what they need to offensively with how defensively sound they've been, you would expect there to be a slight lack of discipline in this lineup after losing a Kurt Miller. And they have, I think stayed the course so effectively um, to the surprise of a lot of people. I mean, we expect there to be really a dip in efficiency for the sun and, uh, you know, coach white and company have made this much more of a, of a smooth transition than we expected. Um, and that's been awesome. I, I would expect the sun to win this series fairly easily in my estimation. Um, I'll, I'll give this to Connecticut in two games. Um, do I expect those to be easy wins? Not necessarily. Um, there is, it's really hard to get an easy W against a team like Minnesota, especially in a playoff spot where Reeve is very comfortable. So um, that's my official stance on that. So I'll give this one to the Connecticut sun in two games. If you want to know what our co-hosts, my co-hosts think, feel free to connect with them on socials. And if you just think I'm flat out wrong with any of these predictions, you are welcome to let me know at any time. But I'm going to say the sun in two. All right, let's dive into possibly the matchup people have been most intrigued with. Uh, but who knows? These are all really fun matchups. The first seed Las Vegas Aces hosting, as far as a three-game series, the uh, eighth-seeded Chicago Sky. It took them until the second to last game of the season, but they finally locked in a spot. And all things considered, before we jump into anything else, good for Chicago they had a huge facelift, and that includes with their coaching staff. A lot of change came to play with the sky. We didn't know what to expect. A lot of us in the booth uh, felt like it was going to be a significant drop. They kept composure. Uh, they got wins where no one was expecting them to. They finished the season six and four, which doesn't sound highly impressive, uh, but they had some really key wins against really good teams. They, uh, beat Connecticut to end the year. Uh, they actually took Vegas to the brink, at least for one half of basketball. Um, and that's made things interesting. That said, uh, they did goose egg against the Aces this season. The Aces do have the regular season series three to zero, and that includes uh, winning their most recent game by seven. However, that was a game in which the Chicago Sky were ahead by 13 at the half. And the Aces had a very, very explosive and uh, fluid second half to end up stealing that game and sweeping them in the regular season series. Now, does that sweep uh, extend into the playoffs? We'll have to look at the things. What can you say about the Aces roster that hasn't already been said? Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, Chelsea Gray, uh, Alicia Clark, Sid Colson, who's about to become... Uh, a TV star with Teresa Plaisance. I can't wait to watch that show. Uh, this is going to be just an absolutely, uh, you know, this is just a bonkers team, and they've they've played up to snuff. Adrian Wilson, of course, leads the the team points wise and rebounding wise. Uh, Kelsey Plum, uh, Chelsea Gray, actually taking the mantle as far as assists. Look, this team leads the league in both offensive and defensive rating. Um, they've been pretty much as advertised. They've had like one down week all season when they went to the white house and Becky Hammond went to the basketball hall of fame 
And then they lost the commissioner's cup to New York and had a couple key losses and then got angry and won a few more games. So this has really been uh, a big time for them. They finished the year seven and three in their last 10 games. Um, the sky, of course, uh, mainly standing on the platform, Kalia Copper, Marina Mabry had a really good year, 15 points a game, uh, 3.6 assists, Courtney Williams leading the way as far as distributing with six assists per game on her own right, also averaging over 10 points a game. Elizabeth Williams looked really strong. Um, Alana Smith and Dana Evans both averaged nine points a game together. Um, this, this team is, you could say they overachieved, but it's been really fun to see them find success where they can uh, and turn that into uh, at some level of a playoff run. Um, and one thing that you got to note about this matchup is that these backcourts match up very, very well, actually. I mean, obviously uh, you're not going to sleep on Kelsey Plum and Jack Young and Chelsea Gray, depending on who's uh, switching in where, uh, but that mix with Mabry and Courtney Williams and company, that's a very effective backcourt that can shoot really well, that can find open space, that can distribute. You've got a player like Courtney Williams, who is an extremely fluid playmaker, who plays hard, who plays fast, um, registered you know, her second career triple-double earlier this year. Uh, they have a lot to make of, of what they can pull off here. And... That's where this gets intriguing. A lot of people are immediately going to jump on this Aces team and say, let's, you know, that they take them in a sweep. I know on ESPN's website, uh, Moody Pelton, Philippu, and Vopel, all of their uh, uh, beat reporters for the league have this in a sweep themselves. I've seen that kind of across the take. The thing is, there's something about when these two teams match up in the playoffs. Chicago and Vegas always seem at this time of year to turn this into kind of a fun. I don't know if you could say they have a rivalry, but they certainly have a fun dynamic when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, you can go back to the Hamby Heave game uh, a few years ago uh, and and those types of matchups. They seem to match up really well. These all are, are also the, the two most recent WNBA championship teams. As far as that's considered, I'm tempted to give Chicago a win. Maybe they steal one at home, right? I'm tempted to do that. I just, I don't see Vegas hitting a weak point in their medal quite yet. I don't see that happening during this first round. Um, when the second round comes along, it could be a different story. But I just don't see I, – I, I feel Vegas winning this in two and moving pretty smoothly into the second round. But I'm close. I, I was really tempted to give Chicago a win here. Um, and also, in the spirit of Logan Jones, there could be some reverse psychology here as well. Uh, but I, uh, I would expect the Aces to win this one pretty soundly. Am I right? Am I wrong? I almost never am right, but we'll see how it goes. They'll be kicking off their best of three series, 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, uh, Chicago at Vegas. You absolutely want to check that one out, um, and we'll see how that goes. And hopefully everyone can make it and make it safely in Vegas to that first game and throughout the series. I know they've been going through a lot with floods and whatnot. Hopefully Aces fans also didn't attend Burning Man, uh, but they'll definitely attend this. Apologies that you're going to have a lot less trees because of the F1 event. A lot's happening in Vegas, and, and Vegas is just going through a lot while that's going on as a city, which is interesting. But you've got the Aces to back you up, and they're 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 pretty damn good. That's a good meal. So check out that first season, uh, that first round of playoffs. Let's move on. All right, so the first slate of games will be taking place Wednesday. This coming Wednesday, we get a break Thursday, and then we move into our Friday games. September 15th, I don't know why I'm telling you the date. That makes it sound like I'm going to read a history textbook to you. But uh, Friday, 7.30 Eastern, ESPN2, the Washington Mystics, the number seven seed against the two seed, New York Liberty. Um, this one is going to be a good deal of fun. A lot of key players and and notables included here at the end of this season. 
has already made this a spicy one. Would you believe it? Because uh, th- this looked to potentially appear like a pretty easy, smooth going um, regular season series for the Liberty. However, they actually are knotted to a piece. Uh, the Mystics have been one of those teams that just play up against really good teams. They know how to find their way. And that's considering, you know, they've been without Elena Deladon and Ariel Atkins for a good chunk of the year. Of course, Christy Tolliver last week had a season ending ACL injury, which is very heartbreaking, but um, they've been able to play up really well. And that includes uh, extremely exciting into the season. Brittany Sykes beating the buzzer 0.5 on the clock. Uh, to take home a win to end the year against the Liberty. And that's what really makes the narrative of this series interesting is Washington found a way to get under the skin of New York and maybe steal a game or two in this. Uh, that's what it makes it a really fun discussion. Um, and of course, this is a Washington team that has never really gotten a chance to play at full speed since winning the 2019 championship. You know, Lana Deladon, you know, injures your back and rides a steel horse to a championship. She's out for a while. Uh, you picked up Alicia Clark, didn't really get quality minutes out of Alicia Clark because of her injuries. It just felt like this was something that the mystics have been trying to weather for a while. And now they find themselves in an interesting situation uh, against the Liberty. Of course, Lady Deladon led the way in terms of scoring 16.7 points per game. That's on 23 games out of the season. Um, but in recent games has played extremely well, as well as Atkins, who has helped uh, bring some life back on the offensive and defensive sides of the court. Shakira Austin led the team as far as boards seven, a game. This is not the most efficient rebounding team you'll find in the league, but weirdly enough, neither quite as Liberty. I mean, Stewie's a very quality rebounder. They do decent under the basket. Um, I believe John Quill Jones also has eight rebounds per game. I'm lying. They they actually rebound extremely well, but I would, but this is to say it's just not so much within the mystics game to, to, you know, with terms of second chance points, scoring off boards, it would probably benefit them in some cases, but um Brittany Sykes, we already talked about her big moments in the year, but she's second in terms of scoring for the team, has taken on a very interesting um, and pseudo-leadership role for for this team uh, with uh, Elena Deladon and Ariel Atkins um, out and with Tolliver recently going out as well. Um, you've seen Sykes stand up, stand up in that case. Natasha Cloud has, has taken on a leadership role in that sense as well. So this is a very intriguing team, and there's a lot of interesting uh, – Potential for this matchup simply because um, the Liberty haven't really been able to put this Mystics energy quite to bed. I mean, they've done decent, um, but and obviously they won two of the four games. uh, But this is one of those teams that seems to find a way under their skin. So it's an interesting matchup as far as things are considered. Um, Of course, you know, Shakir, one thing that's really hurting Washington on the top of losing Tolliver, you know, I'm bringing all this up. We don't know what Shakir Austin's um, uh, situation is going to look like in terms of uh, the playoffs. She reaggravated her hip injury, so they have even more health stuff to deal with as far as that's considered. Um, but what's really going to be interesting here, if you're able to have a Washington team that's playing um, at full strength or at least with players healthy enough to put in quality minutes, um, they have the potential to have a competitive front court um, and the backcourt becomes an interesting case with them uh, because obviously this is an extremely dangerous backcourt in New York you're looking to face up against. And so the question becomes, can Washington find a way to disrupt this team at the perimeter? Obviously Sabrina Inescu has had one of the most successful uh, three point seasons that you'll find. Um, averaging over a hundred threes uh, on the season has just been in some cases lights out. Uh, if you just need proof of anything, watch her three point contest performance. I know that's not game official, but it's kind of has served as her. Like if the season's the resume, that was her cover letter type of situation. Can they find a way to uh, 
force New York to take the three a little bit less out of the game. Cause that's really where they're going to kill momentum runs for Washington, where they're going to potentially turn, you know, easy leads into extended leads and blow games out. And that's really where they've been able to do that to spread that out is to kind of take the wind out of, of defensive sales uh, beyond the arc. And is that something they have the potential to do? I think on top of that is, are they able to play sound defensively and remain in striking distance? Um, New York has played really well late in games, especially close games, but they have had their goat gotten uh, a handful of times. Washington's one of those teams that's obviously benefited from that. Can they find a way to do that? I think if they can keep a game relatively low scoring and be within striking distance late in a game, they might be able to steal a game or two. I'm going to give New York the series. I'm going to give it to them in three. We've had a couple people already call that out. I'm going to stay on that train. I see Washington stealing one of these. Uh, but I don't necessarily see it as, um, you know, a sign of, of, of heavy threat for New York. Um, but I, I do see Washington winning one of these. I don't see this one as a sweep. All right. Well, we're going to finish off the quick, the quick hit playoff preview as it were with the four or five matchup. I'm very excited to talk about this one. Um, and I'm excited. We actually are finishing this off. This series kicks off. 9.30 Eastern on ESPN2 on Friday. The Atlanta Dream at the Dallas Wings. Um, this is has been a really fun one because these are two teams that play a very similar brand of basketball and um, have some key matchups that are going to turn this into something really fun uh, on both sides of the court, really, and on both parts of the court. I think this is uh, a chance to see uh, some really exciting performances and maybe one of, you know, just an underspoken um, classic between some teams. You have the potential of some close games, even though the regular season series would not confirm that for you because Dallas has won this season series pretty smoothly. They went three and zero against the dream. That includes closing out, the year beating Atlanta by 25 points uh, to end uh, the year. Uh, that was a Ricky Gumbawala dropped 32 in that one. And they just won that one pretty easily. Atlanta, interestingly enough, uh, their last 10 for the season, they're the only team in the playoff run to finish below 500 in their last 10 games. They went four and six. <clears throat> we had a couple five and five performances. They go four and six. If that means anything to you, um, so that's an intriguing thing. Atlanta's kind of been streaky in that way, but they play a very fast brand of basketball, uh, which is very exciting. Of course, Ryan Howard in her sophomore performance has been absolutely huge. I would say she's potentially near the front of my list uh, for most improved player of the year because she's played even that much more above her rookie season. Um, 17 and a half points per game um, has been really the key offensive weapon for this team, but you can't put this one. A lot of people who are not as familiar with Atlanta might put a lot of the, the onus primarily on Ryan Howard. That's a disservice to a handful of players, namely Alicia Gray and Shine Parker. Uh, Shine Parker arguably has had her best year uh, this season, uh, 15 points per game, nearly seven or uh, seven rebounds a night. Um, has shot phenomenally well, 48% from the floor. Alicia Gray has found a spot that I think propels her into very much like all-star consideration as a player and, and a really comfortable spot in helping a team succeed. Um, and I mean, that's on top of the fun narrative of getting to play your former team in the playoffs, which is always kind of a fun, spicy thing to talk about, but 17 points per game, um, three assists, five rebounds and has playing with confidence um, even beyond what she's already been playing with, um, you have players like Daniel Robinson uh, on the court showing veteran leadership to a very young and fluid team. Aaron McDonald's had some fun performances this season. There's really a lot to go around. This has been a fun team who's played a very, you know, like I said, fast, explosive style of basketball. And they come against a team that does a lot of the same with the Dallas Wings. A lot of people are surprised by what the Dallas Wings have brought to the table this season, finishing fourth overall, 22 and 18. They're 
one of only four teams to finish above 500 this season. And a lot of people are a little surprised at their output. Um, I had a feeling Dallas was going to pull up something together just by looking at the size of that roster. They are one of the tallest, longest front courts in this entire league and bring together uh, a roster of players who can stretch the four, dominate the paint, and put together huge, you know, dominant performances. Satu Sabli obviously is the front, <clears throat> the face of that onslaught, and has played a season that could be an MVP-like performance in other seasons. Uh, it just so happens to be coupled with uh, two history-making season performances and then another very competitive performance in Alyssa Thomas. Um, but Sabali's played phenomenal basketball all season has been so much fun to watch. And very much to me is in a way, um, kind of the face of this roster, um, and has kind of been huge in the sense that she's been able to allow Arike to do Arike. And that's, what's really made Arike Gumbawale so effective all season long, 21 points a night, and has been able to really focus primarily on scoring and not taking on the load of being the A1 playmaker and and having to stretch to parts of the, of the floor that really aren't within her wheelhouse. She's been able to play really well, that considered. But you look at this front court, Satu Sabli, Natasha Howard, Tierra McCowan, even Kalani Brown. Uh, this is such a big front court, and they've been able to play fluid and play together. You've seen very dominant performances out of all of them. They seem to play uh, extremely well that considered, but they're able to to transition up the floor. Well, they play a faster style than you would expect a team of this size to be putting out. Um, but this is a really, really fun matchup. I really like what both, uh, what, what, you know, both of these rosters put together. Um, and it's interesting, all that considered now during the regular season, the dream have been held to, Oh, under 40% from the field all season against Dallas. Dallas has uh, defensively been able to really put these guys well um, and, and you know, kind of clean things up as far as that's been considered. Um, the one thing that is interesting for Dallas is they've been in these playoff runs in the past few years, but this is really the first time they've been in like a high advantage point, having home court advantage. And, you know, in a top four, for those familiar with previous seasons of your and the previous playoff structure, this would have been actually a huge get for Dallas because it actually would have gotten them a buy in a playoff round. Times have changed. They don't get a buy anywhere, but they do have home court in a best of three series, which is pretty solid. Um, and um, they're playing at a high energy this is Atlanta's first playoff run, I believe, since 2018. In 2018, they went uh, on a hellacious run. They were the second team uh, in the standings, um, and the gas just kind of came out of the tank uh, by the end of the year, and they ended up out, I believe, in the, the conference final. Um, but this is the finally a chance for them to come back and prove themselves. This is a team that plays hungry, um, a team that likes to be motivated by outside success, um, they haven't been able to steal one against Dallas. And I think there's potential for them to pull that off. You try to wipe that slate clean when the playoffs start. But I really like this Dallas team. And I think Dallas has high-end spoiler potential. And I think Dallas is going to make life really uh, difficult and complicated for Vegas in the second round. I'm not saying they're going to beat Vegas in the second round, but I'm saying that it's not going to be anything close to a cakewalk for Vegas in the second round. I think they're going to put together some competitive performances. And I really see this as, as kind of a build up to that. I'm giving Dallas to this into uh, this series in two games, but um, don't let whatever Atlanta puts on the floor um, kind of fog your opinions on what this dream team is going to be putting together in future seasons. They are set up to do a lot of exciting stuff. Um, and have the potential to add more to this roster. Uh, the Dream are a team to watch over the next two to three seasons. I could easily see them as as a very high contending team before too long. Um, and this is really kind of the kicking point to that for them. So that's exciting. But I'm going to give a, a clean sweep to Dallas for, for starters there. So yeah, I go Chuck in the first round. I think a lot of people are. 
Um, the the most I expect you to see, you may see a team, you know, steal a game or two as far as that's considered. Um, but overall, uh, I think this is going to be a really exciting series. Again, you're going to want to kick things off Wednesday at 8 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2 and ESPN, respectively. Then head over to ESPN2 on Friday, 7.30 Eastern, 9.30 Eastern. For those matchups, uh, come Sunday, we have an e- a game on ESPN at 1 p.m. and then 3 p.m. Vegas-Chicago Game 2 on ABC. Uh, and then check your listings and your schedule for further matchups. It is playoff time, everyone. This is what we all sign up for. This is what we're all excited about. This is going to be some fantastic basketball. I hope you're as excited as we are. We can't wait to go along this journey with you. Again, we'll be popping in and out at least after every round, but we'll try to get in more often as we can find availability throughout the playoffs. We hope you enjoy some of that analysis. Uh, that's really all we have as far as WNBA. Congrats to Coco Goff, U.S. Open champ. I just want to call that out because she's bad. She rules and never sit during a match. Just don't do that. Don't do it. You never want to piss off a Coco Goff while she chomp snacks on her fruit and sees you sitting down. That's when you know it's over. Congrats to Coco Goff. You're a tennis fan. That was some fun times. Um, but Amazing stuff. Oh, and congrats to the Carolina, the, uh, the Carolina Courage, North Carolina Courage, uh, winning the Challenge Cup in the NWSL. We're on the, the downslope into the NWSL playoffs as well. So be on the lookout for that. There's some teams playing pretty hot as of late, including my Angel City FC, who are, have had a really solid last six or seven matches. I don't know if that'll translate into somehow stealing a playoff spot, but who knows? You can dream, right? Who knows what Natalie Porn Company have going on over there? That's just a great team. Allie Riley and company. Love the squad. But also the NWSL's fun. So yeah, I, I, I snuck in some NWSL, and I snuck in a little bit of tennis talk. I know it's called WNBA Nation, and we have the playoffs, but we, we love women's sports, and we want to call out where we can. Cannot wait to talk more as this playoffs progresses and before long we'll be crowning a champion and we'll have a lot more to cover even after that. But until that point, thanks again for listening to the program. I am Steve Schwartzman and we got you next time. No, I'll see you